0: hey guys welcome back to the ducks and dogs podcast this is episode eight i'm mike black with my co-host matt and today we have another guest in mark rogers from mark rogers tv and the voice of college football how you doing today mark doing well mike
1: matt how you doing i'm doing great i'm just living my best life out here man join every second there it is i I love to hear that
0: had any more of that pie lately matt
1: no, my friend was supposed to make me more, but they haven't come back yet
0: to campus,
1: so I'm I'm left out to dry here for now.
0: Yeah, so Mark, when we introduced one episode, Matt went on like a five-minute tangent about this piece of peanut butter pie.
2: Peanut butter pie, that sounds amazing. It was delicious, and I
1: think about it every single day.
0: <laughs> so we're going to jump right into it. I called into your call-in show, I think yesterday it was, or the day before that. And we talked about something, and I kind of wanted to continue on with that topic. We talked about the Pac-12 media deal and the TV rights deal and pretty much how how the uh, conference's, as of right now, how the conference's finances have gone in the toilet. And going into that deal, that deal was seen as the biggest of any of the Power 5 conferences, the biggest ever, and it was the second to establish their own network, being the Pac-12 network. The only difference between that deal and all the other conference deals is that for the Big Ten network and the SEC network, They none of them solely own their network. So the Big Ten owns 51% of the Big Ten network, and Fox owns 49%. The Pac-12 decided it wanted to own 100% of the Pac-12 network. Do you think that that is part of the reason why ratings have failed for the Pac-12, considering they weren't able to get on, like, DirecTV, one of the biggest providers in the country?
2: Well, maybe I'm a little bit biased one way or the other in regards to having a stake, at least uh, in my former life slash career at ESPN, that uh, I was involved in the launch of the SEC Network. What was that, 2014 in the ACC in 2019? And no, I am not overstating that in regards to I was not making any high-level decision. I don't want to oversell that or anything. But from an operations, uh, studio operations standpoint, heavily involved in and I got to say, you know, I just did a live show a couple hours ago. People out there have uh, some hatred out there, even college football fans for ESPN and the way things are run. But I got to say, if if you're just looking at production quality, production value, storytelling, those things, uh, the SEC and the ACC going with ESPN, not a bad thing. The documentaries, the productions – first-rate, top-of-the-line, anything you will see anywhere. Now, I don't want to say that I can completely speak to the production quality of what the pack 12 is putting out there, uh, that I don't watch it on a regular basis. I don't know that a lot of people are out there watching it on a regular basis, even from the, the people that I know on the West Coast. Uh, so i got to think that that's, that's one issue. They, they went down one path, um, like you say, to, to go with a full ownership, proprietorship versus uh you know going with tv experts and it's obviously not gone well it's easy to criticize now there's an obvious reason why you do that in regards to control and complete revenue ownership but it's not worked out well for them and um i don't know and and you guys can speak to this better than i can i don't know that there's enough cohesion within the conference in regards to the fan bases and the interest overlap from team to team and sport to sport Um, that I just think it makes it more difficult to program for that network and to reach a broader audience than it is in the SEC, let's say, for example.
0: I think a lot of the issue was uh, the Pac-12 network was doing fairly well when it started off. As we started going on, uh, the old commissioner, Larry Scott, fired a lot of their best talent and that talent ended up going to ESPN and Fox like Yogi Roth Yogi Roth was Pac-12 network now he's a fairly big name when it comes to West Coast football but they dismissed him from the Pac-12 network they didn't want to pay those guys they didn't retain their talent it's an issue every every major network has had ESPN has lost some people who were huge for their brand Fox has lost people who are huge for their brand but the Pac-12 network doesn't have the cachet of the espn and the foxes to pull more people with that kind of talent after they lose them so i'm hoping going into this next tv deal that we again take another risk how they took the risk of the owning it 100 taking another risk of uh maybe diving into an apple tv or a youtube tv or even amazon with twitch prime and amazon prime and all of that stuff for streaming games as as you mentioned when we were talking the nfl does it for a few games so, it could be a very interesting avenue for Klyovkov, who is a TV expert, to pursue.
1: I would say so, yeah. I mean, 100% too, with like production and all that. There is a clear difference, I would say, at least in production compared to the bigger, like SEC Big Ten networks. Um, the Pac 12 very much suffers from not having a bigger company to help it out. And those sort of things, and I think you're right, uh, Mark. With different sports, there's not cohesion. You know, not every team in the Pac-12 is interested in football or basketball. It's very much so. You know, these teams are really into football. These teams are really into baseball. These teams are really into basketball. There's a lot of separation in what teams are good at, which obviously happens in any conference. But that also, I think, the Pac-12 more than the other Power Five schools, with that power balance and all that other stuff, it's just there's too much of an interest gap between schools.
2: Mike, we talked about it the other night when you called in, and I thought it was, um, I think we can agree on this point, that the the hiring of the new commissioner, and if I don't have his name spelled in front of me, I can never remember how to pronounce it, Klievkov. Klievkov, yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, a guy that when, the, when Larry Scott stepped down, there were lists all over the place online, and his name was nowhere to be found. <laughs> they make a surprise hire. It may turn out to be the best thing the Pac-12 has done in years. I think, after listening to the man speak, after seeing his qualifications, his background, he's a very forward. He's a younger guy, forward-thinking, understands where all of this is headed. Very entertainment, knowledgeable, and based. It's almost like thinking back to. Uh, it's almost thinking, man. I'm I'm losing uh, the the the. Uh, NBA commissioners named David Stern after he hmm. replaced Larry O'Brien, who was very full, who brought the NBA from the dark ages and then made it understood the value of entertainment in the modern sports world. That it is at its core entertainment. And he seems to, to understand that. And he may be a tremendous hire for this league.
1: I'm a big fan of his already, to be honest with you, just hearing him talk about how he wants to get football and basketball back on the main stage competing nationally and just how much he seems to care about the conference's image and getting it out there nationally is something I really like. And honestly, like, honestly, just hearing that from him like is already a step up from Larry Scott. He set the bar pretty low. It's going to be hard to get worse than that, in my opinion.
2: It's great that the the conference owns more national championships than any other conference, if you take all sports into play, and that's, that's admirable, and it's also impressive, but it doesn't pay bills. Uh, tennis championships, national championships don't pay bills. They're, they're nice, and that doesn't mean you don't value them and put some revenue into them if you want to participate, but um, he's, a, he's a realist, and the football and the men's basketball pay the bills. The women's basketball now in the last couple of decades can pay some bills, yeah. certainly As well,
0: especially Oregon's women's basketball produced a lot. Sabrina Ionescu and Sedona Prince have produced a ton of revenue for us. So what do you think, Matt, you as well, what do you guys think would be the best path for the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 network going forward? Maybe doing away with the Pac-12 network, partnering with a Fox or ESPN, or maybe taking that gamble on a YouTube TV or Amazon type deal. Or maybe I've heard a couple – I've seen a couple tweets here and there mentioning Netflix trying to get into sports, something like that, to try and take a risk to elevate the Pac-12 above the other Power Fives when it comes to TV revenue.
2: I think I would take the gamble. Now, now again, we don't know the particulars of how much money is going to be offered or available or what the agreement's going to look like, but all things being equal, I would go with where – where young eyeballs go uh, my kids have see no value in abc nbc cbs foxy as they and, and they're they're older It's not like they're 10 years old they're 24 and 22 and there's no difference I to them sure. if, if, if they flip on the tv you know they they remind me on a regular basis how outdated cable tv is <laughs> they they don't see anything on youtube you know, for a long time, I I had kind of this thing, even though I was doing things on YouTube. That well, it's the caliber and and everything's. It's just you know, I had a traditional mindset that I'm on youtube What's it really matter? And nobody cares. And 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 that sort of thing. But shoot, the production value, everything can be first rate. Uh, there is just amazing work being thrown out there online, and uh, those are the companies that are taking over this. When you speak Amazon, first and foremost, my goodness. You know, they're one of the big five. So I would just think that you could be a major partner that's being prioritized in the sports field versus just being one of ESPN slash Disney's five, four, or five with the Big 12 going away. Um, That, of course, the SEC is going to be their baby. Um, So so I I just think that the Pac-12... Again, we don't know what the numbers would look like, but they would want to explore in that direction
1: first. 100% streaming is the way to go, in my opinion, as well. I just, cable's on the way out. I mean, it's been that way for the past 5, 10 years. And with everything going on in streaming right now, hell, you could even maybe work out something with Twitch. Twitch has been streaming sports and sporting networks recently, which is owned by Amazon. So you could even get into that market um, I mean, there's just so much potential with streaming and so much with it going on right now. I don't think you can honestly go wrong unless you botch the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The execution of it.
0: You yeah. know,
2: let's, let's recognize one thing, and that's basically that what's keeping ESPN and Fox on top of all this is owning rights to games. People want to watch games, and as long <laughs> as you own the rights to those games, Your studio shows, and I'm not saying they're good, bad, indifferent. Some are great. Some are marginal. But they just surround the games. Uh, So if you've got the rights to the games, people want to see the games. And if that's the only access they have to the games, as long as that lasts, they will have the upper hand. But that's slowly being pulled away and challenged.
0: Getting in front of Amazon and that Twitch audience will also get you in front of a lot of younger people. The amount, of, the amount of youth on Twitch, for example. You could do Amazon Video as well. Amazon Videos where you would probably get your traditional viewership. But throwing a game here or there on Twitch, like a, a game that may not be a national primetime game, say like an Oregon, Oregon State, or Washington Wazoo, although they're rivalries, they're not going to draw the greatest ratings most years because they're not typically close. You throw that on a Twitch, maybe draw in some of that younger audience and try and build the Pac-12's national recognition up with some of these younger people. Because obviously everyone who's been watching for the past 10, 15, 20 years, no matter what the Pac-12 does, they're probably just going to keep saying, hey, the Pac-12 sucks.
2: And the other thing is also catering to those viewing habits of that generation, which isn't necessarily turning it tuning into the entire football game. It's very highlights, package-driven, story-driven, and just being able to model some of your programming to watching a softball game you know Pac-12 championship softball game and watching it in six minutes or whatever uh, that type of programming that they're used to
0: red zone has been one of the biggest things and best things the NFL has done for <laughs> ratings in years
2: 100 percent, yeah I thought I would hate the red zone I hated the concept of it when but I, I it. had I had to be I had to have friends tell me for like three four five I don't know how long the red zone was on people tell me you got to try the red zone and I'm like I'm not going to like the red zone. It's going to annoy me switching from game to game to game. Now that's all I watch Sunday afternoon: the red zone.
0: (laughs) To be fair, the guy who hosts it, uh, Hanson, he does an amazing job. He transitions it, segues it perfectly. If you got the wrong person in there, red zone would have tanked. You had to get the right person, and they nailed it. So maybe the Pac-12 doing something similar. A lot of the teams are playing in similar time zones. Maybe you get a a red zone type, a Pac-12 red zone type. Maybe just call it Pac-12 After Dark. And you just have it towards switching through whoever's in scoring distance or highlight plays when they happen and stuff like that. Would, especially when you're on the Twitch or the younger younger audience platforms to try and draw in those those eyes and those new fans, whether they're in the state of Oregon or in the state of Washington, or they're all the way across the country like myself and a lot of people. Don't get you my know, hopes like, up, man? Mike. What was that?
2: Just a thought here. I don't, I don't know how much research that the Pac-12 has done and we, we touched on this, uh, I think, last time, Mike, in regards to there's an inherent issue with being on the West Coast and trying to broadcast and be relevant in the other parts of the country. So it's something that you acknowledge, you understand it's a problem, but, you know, you don't cry about it. Uh, You do something about it. And, and I don't know exactly what that is, but I know that it would probably require a lot of research, a lot of focus groups to understand people's viewing habits and what they would want. But, and I'm sure they've done that to a certain extent, I would hope, but uh, maybe it could be done a little bit more effectively to understand, okay, where are we going to get our best bang from the buck? Because we, uh, to the point we were making the other night, Mike, you want to become relevant in the Eastern time zone, but at the same time, you want to service your most ardent fans. You don't want to, you, you want to figure things out and just to be more, most effective.
0: And you don't want to alienate the local fan base just to yeah. try and appease the national base. And going into, going into that, Matt, what do you, what do you personally think the Pac-12 should, do you think they should go with Amazon or do you think they should try to, Stick more traditional to try and not risk anything with all these conference realignments and someone maybe potentially trying to poach a USC or an Oregon out of the Pac-12.
1: I think you have to take the step and you really have to look at partnering with some kind of streaming service. I think it's the only way to go up because if you stay where you're at now and just kind of go with what you've been going with, it really, that audience is so... Small and like even the people on the West Coast, like they don't really like watching the Pac-12 Network because of the production value, because it doesn't pro- provide a lot of extra content that you might see from those other bigger networks. I think you have to go streaming. You have to go with Amazon, maybe even Netflix. You know something like a subsidiary of Amazon, like Twitch. Even one of those things. You got to find something to do, and you have to come up with other content outside of games and stuff. To be able to condense games down, like Mike said, create highlights, create stories, something that can tie you to the players and get you invested in these programs rather than just the results of an Oregon-Washington football game.
0: Stuff like Undisputed and First Take have been huge for sports as well. It draws eyes. A lot of people like the the loud personalities who who know a little bit about everything and could talk about every topic when it comes to the sports that they cover. And it's, it's really huge for the future. Yeah. So, into the next topic, I wanted to talk about, this is also something we touched on, Mark, how the Pac-12, I think, is in a much better place than national fans, and even a lot of Pac-12 fans believe it is. Although the Pac-12 doesn't get nationally respected as it is the only issue with that, as you and I have agreed on this many a times, Mark, is that the top-tier teams haven't performed like they need to. If the top-tier teams were winning these big games more often, say Oregon beat Auburn that year, say Washington won one of these New Year Sixes they've played in, USC's winning another game against Notre Dame every other year or so, the, the Pac-12 would be fine. The, the teams 5 through 12 haven't been the issue. It's the teams one through three, not living up to the expectation and being good enough to win the big games when it matters. That's about the only issue the PAC 12 has when it comes to respect on, on the football level.
2: Yeah. So for guys like the three of us that are really deep into it, really analyze the top to bottom and can appreciate the, okay, this is the Oregon state Purdue matchup who won that game and include that in our analysis and our take on the PAC 12. That's one thing, but for Mr. Joe college football fan that watches one or two games on Saturday, all they care about is the top. Um, so, man, if you go back to the Pete Carroll days, that's the last time that there was a Pac-12 team that was arguably the best program in the country. Okay? And, and they were for much of that time, or they were in that top three to four argument. Then Oregon to me, was the last program under Chip Kelly in particular. That was, let's say, although they didn't break through to win that game, where I thought they were as good as anybody in the country, it wouldn't have surprised me. Of course, they came within a field goal of winning the national championship in the last few seconds against Auburn in 2010. The last one that showed that they belonged in that kind of game. They, they would typically lose them, but that they belonged. They could stay on the same field. And since then, you know, USC at the Sam Darnold year where they, they went on the run late and won the Rose Bowl. But against the decent Penn State team, there was, of course, the Oregon team that lost the national championship game. They kind of closed out their Chip Kelly era, even though Helfrich was uh, technically coaching that team in 2014. <laughs> and I see some eye rolls and <laughs> in the head, And I think I've learned enough to, to understand from from what was going on that yeah, Helford's pretty much just uh, got, he was the Barry Switzer of the Jimmy Johnson days <laughs> at, uh, with the Dallas Cowboys playing that role. And then you had, um, you know, Washington makes the playoffs in 2016 week schedule. They get in, uh, they lose as expected. So really USC the last one that I thought had a legitimate argument as we're the premier program in the country, Oregon, the last one that could show up at that final game and. And give an effort and show that they belong to the big stage. But since then, last seven, eight, nine years, there's not been that program, that team.
0: Yeah, I still think that 2012 Oregon team was the best in the country. And a missed block cost us a, a title. In my D'Anthony Thomas celebrating a little early misses a block, costs us a Stanford game, costs us a chance for the North, or cost us the North, which cost us a trip to the Natty. If we won the Pac-12 that year, we were undefeated. But because Stanford also had one loss, and they beat us, they got the head-to-head, went to the Pac-12 championship, so we didn't get to go. So we basically lost consideration because we weren't even our conference champions.
2: And they were undefeated. Well, Alabama lost a game, but... uh,
0: We were undefeated outside of that Stanford game, and then we just didn't get to go to the Pac-12 title because that Stanford game decided it.
2: That was the team that beat Kansas State in the Fiesta Bowl, correct? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, DeAnthony Thomas and Mariota on the same team was wonderful to watch. Yeah.
2: They were good. Well, everybody else in the country would have rather seen Oregon play Alabama than Notre Dame.
0: <laughs> that was not uh, close Alabama. at all. <laughs> Man, that, that that was that was the, probably the best Oregon team I've ever seen. So, diving into this next topic about how the Pac-12 is kind of nationally not seen as well as other conferences. I don't know how fi- familiar you are with the cornerbacks Trent McDuffie and Michael Wright. But I believe, and I, I think Matt is of the same belief, that just because they play in the Pac-12, they're not seen as the same caliber as the Kyrie Elams, as the Derek Stingley's, when I'm not sure that you could convince me that they're not of the same tier as those guys. Do you think them being in the Pac-12 has any effect on how people view these guys and like why they're not getting the recognition on these shows talking about you know the best corners in the league? They always mention Kyrie Elam, Derek Stingley fail to ever mention guys like trent mcduffie or michael wright and in washington's case they've been producing dbs like that very often lately
2: for years yeah to answer your question yes i don't think there's any question about it amongst nfl scouts i don't believe so but amongst the likes of us and others across the country absolutely
1: yeah, and, i think it's an. oh sorry you got it Yep, all right. I think it's interesting to point out like you said with NFL scouts. I think you see all these analytics sites, all of these, you know, draft sites and all this stuff that come out with these analytics. You see guys like Trent McDuffie at the top of those lists. You see Washington's defense at the top of those lists. Their offensive line recently, I think by PFF was rated like one of the top 5 in the country. You could make a case for Oregon's defense being one of the top 10 in the country. UW's being one of the top 5 in the country. A lot of these analytics sites are kind of the only ones recognizing the Pac-12, like those diehard fans. But I think it goes back to appealing to a broader, more average national audience with the Pac-12 overall that I think has caused the issue and the discrepancy there. It's kind of a bummer.
2: <laughs> so, kind of odd we're – I don't know if this is going to crash our current topic, but we're, we're, about, we're about a year removed – I'm sorry about the call if you can hear it from the background – we're about a year removed from actually the Pac-12 putting up results against the rest of the country. We had, what, two bowl results? And what did they really mean? Was Oregon really the best team in the in the uh, Pac-12 to be playing in a New Year's Six game against Iowa State? Um, and, and I say that, <laughs> I know where I'm at in regards <laughs> to who, who I'm talking to here. But uh, I, I do think that Oregon, from a talent standpoint, is just as good as Iowa State, but uh, talent versus the the development of the team and so forth that it isn't exactly always the same. But, uh, you know, Colorado is in a game overmatched by Texas, and the, that's it. Those are the out-of-conference results from last season. So mm-hmm. there's not much carryover in regards to how is this league and how does it stack up against everybody else.
0: So do you think, think that the uh, national perception is something that changes – like maybe 2021, or do you think it'll take a few more years of winning these games, maybe more consistently? Say Oregon keeps it close with Ohio State. Say Washington beats Michigan. LSU, UCLA is a toss-up. Do you think the Pac-12 starts garnering some of that respect again, or will it take a few years of results like that to get back there?
2: From the people that uh, that I would say count, or or that that have logical, reasonable perception, because it's gonna it's gonna take wins in the biggest games to convince the majority of the country. But in terms of a fair analysis, I think that, you know, everybody pretty much plays one game against the other power conferences. Um, USC's got Notre Dame. And do they have another one?
0: I believe so. I believe Penn State has two really big ones too. Uh,
2: I think USC's got BYU. That's their other one. So it's not necessarily against – so, you know, let's, let's see a reasonable showing. The game that you guys have against Ohio State is going to be the one that could just really pack a punch for this conference. That's going to be given more weight by far than any other game. And unfortunately, most people want to see a win to, to be convinced of anything. But if you go to Columbus – and it's a 31-28 game, and you show that you can stay with them, considering it's in Columbus especially. And let's say Ohio State goes on and has the season that everybody expects. They're 12-1 and 1 or 13-0 at the end of the Big Ten Championship game. That, that should be seriously weighted as a, I don't want to call it a moral win, but... I, I'm big into evaluating the play on the field and not just saying, okay, the Pac-12, six and eight against the other conferences, they suck. No, let's let's look at it. Let's look at, you know, if LSU turns around and plays after playing a close game against CCLA, regardless of the winner, and they tear it up in the SEC, well, I'm going to look at that game differently than if LSU turns around and they go six and six. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we have to see how these teams play. Um, these opponents play the rest of the season, and again, I'm I'm big into evaluation. When Oregon barely lost to Auburn and and had that game mo- the most, you know, most of the way. And again, I see some spurts there because you know you guys know that you let it go. Tire was um, down twenty-one six in the fourth quarter or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and the same thing with Washington against Auburn. The year before, they, yeah. <laughs> they you know, it was that close. They like kicked the ball around. They like fumbled a snap or did something stupid in the red zone late in that game. I come away from that thinking, hey, Auburn won the game, credit them, of course. Uh, the win and the loss, that's all that matters in the standings. But I'm into evaluating teams. And I come away from watching those games with a much different perception of the Pac 12 than I would have had Auburn won those games by three touchdowns.
0: Yeah, it's like watching the Oregon-Auburn game in 2019. If you just looked at the score, it was like, oh, Oregon lost, as expected. But if you watch the game, it just looks like, dang. All the way up until the fourth quarter, it was like, dang, Oregon's on a different level than Auburn. Like, For most of that game, it was like, all right, these two teams don't belong on the field together, but it wasn't for the reason that the end results would have made you think. It was not – Auburn wasn't dominating. Oregon was killing that game, and then we did something that we – to do every once in a while which is just give a game away we did it with tcu we did it with auburn Oof. and we did it with auburn again
2: <laughs> tc a tough one to, to, to balance the argument out i'm gonna speak out of both sides of my mouth those two auburn teams they were good teams they were talented teams but they didn't necessarily turn out to be that good
0: well the one auburn team beat us in the national championship so that auburn team was pretty good
2: well no 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 I'm t- I'm talking about the two teams that played Washington and oh, Oregon. Oh, oh,
1: oh, yeah. yeah.
0: And
1: Those teams turned out to be like what three, four lost teams, I think,
2: both years. Hey, the
0: Auburn team yeah, that beat eight, Oregon well. beat Alabama, so I'm fine with it. Nah, I think uh, eight and five, eight and five. Mm. Nine yeah. nine and four in twenty
2: nineteen. Yeah. Eight and yeah. five, nine and four. Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: it's interesting to sorry, Mike, uh, to talk about the Washington, Michigan game, too, because you bring up, you know, Oregon and UCLA being competitive with Ohio State and LSU, these big programs. I think the Huskies are on the opposite end of how they're going into that game, because like Oregon and UCLA have really nothing to lose in those games. Washington has everything to lose because that Michigan program is did not look good last year they're kind of slowing down in terms of production and being good on the field and Washington is going into arguably one of their easiest scheduled seasons in a long time you know looking the best on the field on paper roster wise that they have than they have in a long time I mean they got a lot to prove they got to go in there and win by a couple touchdowns if you can you know, comfortably say, Yep, they're the team we expect them to be. They can compete nationally. I think anything closer, losing that game, just can derail the entire season for them.
2: Yeah, I go into that game expecting Washington to win. Mm-hmm.
0: I think Washington probably wins by more than 13 points towards the end of the game. Now, Michigan yeah. may keep it closer than that, but I think Washington fans are expecting and hoping for a win by more than 13 points. If it's not, they might be a little uh, underwhelmed with how their team performs.
1: 100%. And I mean, I guess you can argue, you know, playing on the road at a Big Ten school with a school like Michigan, obviously it could be a tough place to play, but I still think you can't really go in there saying, oh, we still did a good job, pat on the back if you lose that game or or within seven points, you know? It's just not a good look for us.
2: Again, for me, the evaluation is going to come... It's going to completely come together down the line to see how yeah. Michigan, because you're looking at a team that's a bit of a mystery team <laughs> coming off this deplorable two and four season, but it was only six games, but it was awful. Yeah. Uh, but before that, they were a top 15 team uh, the other Harbaugh years. So they've been solidly, despite the bowl disappointments and of course the Ohio State and Big Ten, lack of Big Ten championship disappointments, a top 15 team under harbaugh up until last season yeah
0: yeah and uh well that's about all we have time for on this episode of the ducks and dogs podcast we try and keep these shows under 30 minutes and zoom also likes to keep us under 30 minutes <laughs> so mark we do want to thank you for coming on do you have anything you want to plug
2: well i'm at uh the voice of college football so just go to youtube and uh voice of college football or mark rogers tv.com either one gets you right to youtube we got twenty two team channels and uh we've got call-in shows and live streams going throughout the week
0: all right and uh we want to thank you guys for watching and thank you guys for the support on the eight episodes that we have out now the josh pay episode is nearing 400 views can't thank you guys enough for that matt any closing remarks from you
1: yep just uh thanks for being on mark it was a it was a pleasure
0: yeah thank you guys for
2: having me i appreciate it, it was fun yeah.
0: all right Thank you guys for watching and tune in next week for the next episode of ducks and dogs, where hopefully I will have another guest. We might not have Matt just want to do a little PSA here. He is an NAIA football (laughs) player and he's getting into his, his camps and stuff like that. So his availability is a lot more shortened. Mm -hmm. so you may see Matt one episode may not see him the next.
1: Yep. We'll make it work. So don't worry about it.
0: (laughs) All right, guys, thank you for watching. We'll see you next time.